0: I don't know about you, but when we get to the Holy Day uh, liturgies, I'm always saying, uh, oh, it'll just be the same thing over again. And then when we get in and we start reading them, I go, oh, yeah, I need to remember that. I need to remember that. That focus is there. As Judeo-Christians, we observe the liturgies, the Holy Days, and rituals of both Judaism and Christianity in order to put those into proper relationships, those two great faiths, and to understand with greater depth the Holy Scriptures. So today we enter Advent, a time of anticipation of the coming of the Lord. We prepare for the period of Christmas, which is a celebration of the Incarnation. We also look forward to uh, uh, Hanukkah. This year, the Jewish month of Kislev, and the month of December begin at the same time. This Wednesday evening at sundown, both those months, the Jewish calendar and our present calendar, are aligned. And so Wednesday night, the new moon begins and the month begins as well, the month of December and the month of Kislev. Now what this does is it means that Christmas and Hanukkah will connect directly by starting at the same time. The evening of the 24th, moving into the 25th of Kislev or of December. And this connection is important because those holy days were merged together at a particular calendar time, which is the time when our Lord was born. The connection between Hanukkah and Christmas has been overshadowed by a barrage of people believing that the origins of Christmas are pagan. Now some of the practices that people have added to the celebration are adaptations or syncretisms from pagan cultures. That can't be denied. But the essence of the celebration and the meaning of it is from the origins of Hanukkah and the biblical texts regarding the nativity, and the coming of our Lord. So I want to talk about those, and I want to talk about those in a way that we can do this year at each of the holy days because the calendars synchronize better than normal. Now, this is not an easy thing. At the time of Jesus, there were at least three calendars. There was the calendar of the Pharisees, there was the calendar of of the Sadducees that had the temple. There was the calendar of the Essenes who had their own uh, form of the calendar. And then there, of course, was the Roman calendar of those who were occupying Israel at the time. And so many of the events that are in the Bible are, uh, are having to be adjusted or adapted to these various calendars. Today, We have the Jewish calendar, which is dominantly the Pharisaic calendar. We have the Christian calendar. We have a Western version and an Eastern version. And then we have the general calendar that we use. This makes putting these times together very difficult. But this year, at this point, at least the beginning of the uh, month of Kislev and December uh, coincide. The connections between the holy days of Judaism and Christianity are important because many well-meaning and ill-meaning people claim that the Jewish holidays are no longer relevant and that the Christian ones are, are pagan, as I said. Both claims are false. I'm going to deal with the false claims at another time. But for this season and for the Holy Days for the next year, I want to address the connections between the themes and the meaning of the Holy Days. And I'm going to call this Holy Day Hyperlinks. To help us understand the connections, I'm going to refer to them as hyperlinks. Now, if you use a computer or a smartphone or any kind of internet connection, uh, you are familiar with the technology of a hyperlink. A hyperlink is a highlighted word or icon, interesting term, icon, that uh, when you click on that takes you to related information. Uh, and so, in some sense, You can access a broader understanding of something by clicking on the hyperlink. So, in the same way, uh, Judaism and Christianity have been using hyperlinks, in a sense, for centuries with the scriptures. With the holy days, with the rituals, and with the prophecies of the story of God. So today we're going to look at some of the hyperlinks of Advent. I'm going to try to tie them in as we move towards Christmas and Hanukkah. And then I'm going to show you the uh, links between those and we'll follow through the other uh, holy days through the year. Now, we just lit the first candle of Advent. Advent is, if you will, a period of preparation leading up to the celebration of Christmas, which is a 12-day celebration, uh, coinciding with the eight days of Hanukkah. We'll talk about that. And this preparation period is a period that is very similar to the month of Elul and the, and the days of awe leading up to Yom Kippur and the days of Lent leading up to Holy Week. It's a time of preparation using the four Sundays prior to Christmas Eve or Hanukkah Eve, in that sense, uh, to be be prepared for the uh, celebration itself. So, several of the Advent themes I talked about this earlier are related to shepherds, angels, and kings, themes that also show up in the teachings and the celebration of Hanukkah. And in the case of Advent, they tell the story of the nativity. Others. Other approaches, like the one we use, that uses hope, faith, love, joy, and peace, uh, express biblical truths that are being expressed, again, in both of these holy days. So, this week we focus on hope, and hope has a unique meaning in the biblical text. Very important that the children are taught this, and that you disabuse yourself of any false teaching you've been giving. Hope is not... Wishing wishing is desiring something and hoping, wishing, that it will take place. The desire comes from you and you think it will make your life better. I wish I had a better job. I wish I had a better income. I wish I had a better house. All those things are wishes. We use the word hope, but that's not hope in the biblical sense. In the biblical sense, a hope is a promise that has been made. And therefore, it's not you coming up with something that you desire, but God promising something, which becomes your hope. And because it's a promise, and because it's coming from one who will not lie, that hope is steadfast and sure it's a certain hope. So... We trust, we have faith in the promiser, not in the promise. We have faith in the promise, sir, that he will bring about the promise. Therefore, the promise becomes our hope. Very important that people understand that. I hear people all the time, I'm hoping in God for this, I'm hoping in God for that. And I always say, So, wh- what promise are you talking about? Well, God promised me. Okay. So people are using the force. We're talking about biblical truth. When God promised Abraham a son, that became Abraham's hope. And it depended not on Abraham, but on God who brought about Isaac. And then God says to Abraham, kill the promise. Because the test is whether you trust the promiser or the promise. And Abraham... Pass that test in the binding of Isaac. So, biblical hope is a promise made by God. Unless God makes a promise, all you have is a wish. And a wish is a dream your heart makes when you're fast asleep. That's not biblical terminology, that's Disney and fantasy terminology, okay? So, when we faith in God, when we trust in God, His promises become our hope. So the focus of the first candle, the hope candle, is that the Messiah will come. This hope is a promise made to God, made by God to Adam and Eve. So I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Now I can't go through all the text. I'm just going to give a a sample text uh, because I'm trying to not make these sermons go as long as I always do, but I end up doing it anyway. In Genesis three fourteen and 15, after Eve has been deceived by the serpent and Adam has chosen to sin intentionally, we have God confronting them and his confrontation of Satan or the serpent is critical. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field, on your belly you will go, and you will, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head; you shall bruise him, and uh, you shall bruise him on the heel. Uh, now it's important to understand here that the enmity is between the woman and between her seed her offspring and the offspring of the serpent or satan in this case and he says that the that satan will bruise the heel of this seed of the woman but the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent one is a wound In a sense, but not permanent. The other one is permanent. And here we begin to get an understanding of the Messiah who is going to address the issue of sin and going to address the issue of the fall of man. That Messiah becomes uh, more pronounced as the scripture goes on. When Adam and Eve uh, uh, sinned, God makes a promise that the damage caused by Satan's deceit and Adam's disobedience would be fixed. And this is considered by Jewish and Christian scholars as the initial promise of the Messiah. Now, from this promise, many promises come regarding the person, the timing, and the function of the Messiah of Israel, who will save Israel, restore the kingdom of David, and bring the knowledge of God to the nations. Now, the number of texts is so large that... We could not list them if we simply listed them during the time that we have. But, there is a conflicting story in the passages regarding the Messiah. It gives the appearance that there might be more than one Messiah. Because there is a Messiah who seems to suffer and die. And there is a Messiah who is to rule and reign over Israel and judge the nations. This led Jewish scholars to conclude that there may be more than one Messiah. One would suffer for his brethren, like Joseph, who was rejected by his brothers, but became their great benefactor. This suffering then would purge the sin of Jacob and he would be cut off. This Messiah would die. But there also must be a Messiah who restored the kingdom of David and brought about the promise of the blessings. On the earth and in the promised land, this one would deliver Israel, fulfill the promises that Israel would dwell in safety and in peace among its surrounding nations. As it turns out, these conflicting concepts confused both Jews and later Christian scholars. But the liturgies of Judaism and Christianity kept the hyperlinks between the two. As we saw a little bit this morning when we were reading our passages from Isaiah. Judaism has focused on the reigning Messiah, the son of David. And because of that, largely rejected Jesus as Messiah. Because their focus is on the return of Jesus. Many contemporary Jews reject Jesus as the Messiah. Because when the Messiah comes... The lion and the lamb and the ox and all of these animals will lie down in peace and the nations won't uh, learn war anymore. And if you look at it, none of that happened when Jesus came. So he can't possibly be the Messiah. Christianity has focused on the incarnation and the nativity of Jesus and in some sense have rejected the hope of Israel and the earthly reign of the Messiah in the second coming. Most of Christianity holds to what we call all millennial theology. Jesus is sitting enthroned in heaven now, ruling and reigning over the whole creation. And when he comes back, he will come back. But when he comes back, he will destroy this present earth immediately and create a new heaven and new earth. There is no restoration of Israel. There is no throne of David. There is no peace among the nations. Now, in that sense, both of these faiths are both correct and wrong about this, but the the lectionaries retain and the scriptures retain the hyperlinks between those. So, today is the first Sunday of Advent in the year A, the first of three years in the Christian lectionary. Now, the Christian lectionary today has three years. The Jewish one... Today has one year. The whole Torah is read uh, in a year. But at the time of Jesus, there was a three-year Torah reading cycle. And the early Christians used that one to create their own drawing from the scriptures and, and creating the lectionary of three years. So we begin today with the primary one, the first one and the readings that are associated with that. I'm going to read them uh, with you. I'm not going to comment on them. They pretty mu- I I can't not completely comment, but I'm not going to teach on them because they pretty much are self-explanatory. So, most Christians in Christian history have been focused on All millennialism. Jesus came as Savior. He took away our sin. He ascended into heaven. He's going to come back. But when he comes back, he's going to destroy this creation. And create a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And that will be heavenly and not earthly. But the text that they read say something different. So we begin with Isaiah chapter 2. Verses 1 to 5. The first reading for today. Uh, in the traditional readings of the church. Uh, begin with Isaiah chapter 2. It's a passage you're very familiar with. Because we sing it once in a while. The word uh, which Isaiah the son of Amaz saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Notice who this is about. It will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. So, the mountain of Jerusalem is going to be raised. Zechariah talks about this too. It's going to be the highest mountain. The nations are going to come. Is this Bethlehem? No. This is Jerusalem. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and we may walk in his paths. The temple will be there, and the mountain of the Lord will be there, and people will come to learn the ways of the Lord. What are those ways of the Lord? The law, the Torah, will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and render decisions for many peoples. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Now, brothers and sisters, that hadn't happened. But it's going to happen. This is part of the hope. The blessed hope that God will restore all the things of his promises. And that Jerusalem will be the center of this process. And there it is in the Christian uh, sections of readings for this first day of Advent. You would have expected something from a prophecy about Bethlehem or something. Second, Psalm 122. Where are the people going to go? They're going to go to the house of the God of Abraham, of Jacob to learn Torah and to learn the word of the Lord. Right? So what do they tie to that? This psalm. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built has a city that is compact together, which the tribes go up. Even the tribes of the Lord an ordinance for Israel to give thanks to his, to the name of the Lord, for their thrones were set for judgment and the thrones of the house of David. God, Jesus said to his disciples, you will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Has that happened? That had not happened. That's going to happen. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls. And prosperity within your gates. For the sake of my brothers and my friends. I will now say may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. We are commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. When is that peace going to happen? When the prince of peace sits on the throne of David. And the nations learn war no longer. By the way. This behooves us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem at this time as well as there are many people setting fires all over Israel trying to cause trouble and damage. We live at a time when we anticipate and hope that sure and certain hope that the Lord will return and rule from Jerusalem. What an incredible promise. So, well, what about the gospel? Now, Okay, now the gospel is going to be the nativity of Jesus. The gospel is going to be about the birth of Jesus. After all, this is the first Sunday of Advent. It's Matthew chapter 24. And it picks up at verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Now this is Jesus talking. He anticipates the coming of Messiah to be future. For in those days they, before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying giving and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. Who did it take away? Not Noah. The world. They were taken away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. There will be two men in the field. One will be taken. The other left. This is not a rapture, folks. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. The other will be left. The idea is that those will be taken in judgment as he separates the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff is taken away. And the kingdom will be established. And everything in the kingdom that's not right will be removed. Therefore be on the alert. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Oh, it's December 25th. But be sure of this. That if the head of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming. He would have been on the alert. And would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Boy, that's it. If, if people would just tell us when they're going to do something to us, we'd be ready. Right? For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. Who then is the faithful? Oh, that's the end of that passage right there. Now, he's going to go on and talk about two kinds of servants. There's a servant who says, the Lord's delaying His coming. I'm going to... Stay prepared. And there is the servant who says, The Lord's uh, delaying his coming. I'm going to get as much of this world as I can. I'm even going to be abusive to my fellow servants. And the scripture says, The Lord will come and that second servant will be placed in hell. Being prepared is part of the good news. So we then come to our last reading, which is the epistle for the week. And that's Romans 13. And it picks up at verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor fulfills the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, it's summed up in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love fulfills the law. doesn't get rid of the law. Fulfillment doesn't mean to get rid of the law. It means to bring it into full operation. Do this knowing that the time is already the hour for you to... To awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave as in the day. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality. Not in strife and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Now I want you to catch the message here. This passage is also anticipating that the coming of the Lord is near and that we must be prepared. We are not to be layaway Christians living our own life. But we said the magic words and are waiting for the coming. But we are to be living in the light while the darkness remains. Light in the midst of darkness is a major theme of Advent and of Hanukkah. That's why the lighting of the candles. The light shines brightest in the darkness. And the darkness is about to end and we light in anticipation of the light of God that will come into fullness at the coming of the Lord. So, the lights of Hanukkah are the foundation of Advent and Christmas. This hyperlink of hope anticipates the major theme of light. And this is the theme of both the incarnation and the kingdom to come. Now, we already read it, but I want to read it again so that you'll see the connections between the first and second coming, even though the focus is on the second. When we observe Advent, We should not be looking back at the nativity. We should reflect on the nativity in anticipation of the second coming. That's the focus. That's the purpose. Hanukkah looks back at the dedication of the temple in anticipation for when the temple will be fully a house of prayer for all peoples. It is not just looking back. It's looking forward. That's why Paul says, these holy days are a shadow of things to come. Judaism and Christianity should have their focus on the coming of the Messiah. We know who he is. Because he came first to address sin. He will come again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, let me read John 1 again. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, is the one that we celebrate his nativity. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him fully. But as many as received him, to them he gave the rights to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. Who are born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwell among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. This celebration. Looks back at what God has done. In anticipation of what God is continuing to do. And will ultimately do in bringing the kingdom to come. And it really is that emphasis and focus that we need to have. And it's given to us in the lectionaries, all focused on the future and being prepared for when the Lord will come. Not joy to the world, the Lord had come. But joy to the world, the Lord is coming. Let earth receive her King. Let's pray. Father, help us to focus correctly.